For those of you that, that were here this morning, you hear us, heard us talk about the first little bit of John chapter 10, and this is kind of the extension, and uh, in case you need a little recap on the first bit, uh, it's essentially Jesus is the good shepherd, uh, he's the gate, there is not any other way, and it's really, really good news. I should have just done that this morning. And this morning, uh, I want us to focus in on something slightly different. Yeah, I've done five. It's the evening, isn't it? (laughs) And um, what I'd love us just to talk about is is what it's like to listen to the Holy Spirit. In the mornings, we're going to be thinking about the kingdom of God. And in the evenings, uh, up till Christmas, we're just going to be thinking about the Holy Spirit. And so this evening, what's it like to listen to the Holy Spirit? I am. Um, I, I grew up in uh, a wonderful church in Exeter, and um, any, has anyone? Before I insult everyone, has anyone has anyone heard of St Leonard's Church in Exeter? Yeah, a few of you. Has anyone? You, some of you worship there, or I spoke to someone who had worshipped there this morning. Had been students in Exeter. Anyway, I grew up at this church, and it was a it was a wonderful church. It was really solid Bible believing church. But you know, the charismatics who were there uh, were finding it pretty tough because increasingly when I was growing up, there wasn't much space uh, for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was a great idea, but he wasn't given much space to move. But I was given this really solid Bible kind of almost brethren pumped into me week on week. And I'm really, really grateful for that. But I got to kind of uh, 15, 16 years old, and I suddenly got really hungry... Because the God that I was reading about, especially in the New Testament, seemed to be active and speaking to people. But what I was experiencing in church life was, hang on, we got as far as God being active and speaking, but then we didn't actually do anything about it. And so I remember going to this party, I think I must have been 16 years old, and and uh, everyone else, all my peers were kind of doing what 16-year-olds do, I'm, I'm sorry, parents, they do those things. And, uh, and I remember it got really, really late, and it was a sleepover, and I was, I was lying on this sofa, drifting in and out of, out of sleep, and everyone else was partying, and I was praying. And I was praying, Lord, I believe that you're real. Jesus, I believe that you're real, and I believe that you speak I've not heard you. I want to hear you. A year earlier at my confirmation, I had this weird experience. You know, you know what a confirmation is? The, the bishops show up and they, and they all lay hand on you. It's kind of like the, the middle of the Alpha course when you go away for the Holy Spirit weekend, except the bishop needs to come and do it. Um, I had this weird experience when the, when the bishop had confirmed me at Selena's church and I knelt down in front of the bishop 15 years old I nearly fell over what's that about what's going on here I am 16 years old pleading with the Lord come and speak I didn't hear him that night but I kept on praying Are you willing to keep on praying and keep on asking, no matter 
how much you've heard. Because what this passage teaches us, what Jesus says, is that the sheep, and I've already got told off today by saying that, by the farmer's language, by saying that the sheep are stupid. Apparently their sheep are very, very intelligent. Um, the sheep listen to his voice. I don't think that this is just a nice idea. I think that Jesus really does mean that he is the good shepherd. And he really does mean that he is the gate and the only way into the safety of the Father's presence, that wonderful sheep pen, is through him. And I do believe that Jesus wants us to know his voice. We have this great game in our house. When one of us is away, we've got two dogs. There's a, um, Pam's brought her dog this evening. We've got two dogs. We've got a nutty chocolate Labrador, uh, who's about eight years old. And we've got this little beagle, um, uh, who's about three years old. Um, they spent the first three weeks, once we've moved in here, just escaping and causing utter, utter care. They got as far as Tesco's at one point. It wasn't good. And this woman's ringing me as I'm kind of running around the graveyard going, where are my dogs? And I keep on cutting her off. And then I think, lost dogs, someone keeps ringing me. She's, have you got a beagle? Because you haven't anymore, I've got it. Anyway, the game is this. Uh, the game is this. When one of us is away... Uh, we FaceTime the rest of the family and we kind of say hello. But at some point, it usually turns to FaceTiming the dogs. Because the dogs have got no idea what to do with the screen. They just kind of look at the screen and like, what? what? But you talk to them and they recognize the voice. They're like, oh, something's going on. <laughs> and they get really kind of excited, don't they? you recognize Jesus' voice through his Holy Spirit? you recognize when he's speaking to you and when he's got something to say? Because he wants to walk every single step with you. How is it, how is it possible that this can happen? It's possible because what Jesus has done is he's taken away all of the barriers. You know, we put the barriers back up again quite successfully. You know, often and stuff gets in the way and we get busy and distracted. But he has made it possible that we can hear him and we can walk with him step by step each day in the power of the Holy Spirit. He just help me to kind of um, get a little kind of gauge as to as to where you're at. So we're going to do a kind of little raise a hand thing. And um, if if you know if, if you don't put your hand up once, that's absolutely fine. All right, because this is not about um, better or worse class of Christians. This is about just helping me to kind of catch up quick where we're at. Okay, H- how many of you? I have made a choice to follow Jesus. This is a great start. That's fantastic. Um, how, how many of you uh, can kind of read the Bible and kind of go, oh, I think God might be saying something to me through that verse or something, you know, something like that? Yeah? Okay, 
okay, that's, that's brilliant. How, how many of you kind of can recognize that nudge, that sort of still small voice, not like an audible voice outside, but kind of that sense where you might start a sentence with, I think God might be saying, wow. <laughs> yeah. How many, how many of you have had a dream where you've kind of then woken up in the morning and thought, oh, maybe God's saying something. Any of you, any of you had dreams like that? Okay. A- any of you kind of um, get words and things that are like for other people, where you kind of think, oh, God's saying something, but it's, it's not for me. It's this, who's, this, who's God saying this to? Okay. Hey, this is great. Last one. Has, has anyone here had a had a vision? The difference between a vision and a, and a dream. A dream is when you're asleep. A, a picture is like in your mind's eye. You know, in your where's your mind's eye? I don't know where that is. <laughs> Back here. Vision is outside. Has anyone had that? Few. You know, I, I've been, I've been following Jesus for forty years. I've had one. You know, I guess there's some people that have them lots. My one vision, okay, was um, I just after Meg had become a Christian and I'd come back to faith. And we'd met this, we'd gone up at the end of the service to this church in London and uh, we'd, uh, we were living together at the time and um, we went and saw this dear lady called Julia, Julia Harvey and she, um, she was, you know, doing this prayer ministry kind of thing with people, but she'd seen a lot of people, and she was obviously really tired, and we were like the last people in the queue. And we went and found her, and we said, look, you know, I've come back to faith, and Meg's come to faith, but we're living together, what we're supposed to do. And, and, uh, and she said, well, you love each other, don't you? And we're like, yeah. She said, oh, just get married. <laughs> so Meg was delighted. <laughs> and I was like, uh, this wasn't the plan. <laughs> Um, uh, you know, doing my very best efforts to run away. But um, the vision was, uh, I was rehearsing a, a play at the time in this conservative club in London, and it was a beautiful sunny day, and someone else was doing their scene, and I was off kind of, you know, supposedly learning my lines. And I had this almost like TV screen in front of me. Only time it's ever happened. And the TV screen was two people, on a swing, really, really old. I mean, like older than all of you. <laughs> like 95. I reckon I'm safe. <laughs> and I saw this image literally in front of me, and I was like, yes, that's what I want. And we got engaged, and we got married. You know, God just turned around all my, you know, lack of male commitment and all the rest of it. You know, God is gracious and he speaks with what we need to hear, but also speaking direction to us. He's paid the price to make it possible, but he calls us, verse 3, he calls his own sheep by name. Each and every single one of you he calls by name. Even if you've not made a choice to, to follow him yet, and I think almost all of you put your hands up. He 
calls you by name. And if you've not made a choice to follow him yet, he's still calling you by name and he's inviting you and he's saying, come and follow me. Why? For what we talked about this morning. Fullness of life. This is good news. A good news story. You know, I think the tide is turning. By that, I don't mean I think that the world is, is gonna get any less messy. I think it's probably gonna get messier. But I think the tide is turning. I think there is a harvest that is ready to be brought in. Can you see it with the people that you live next to? The people that you bump into? I think God's on the move. And he's ready to use anyone who's willing, anyone who's willing to to get in and join in with his promptings and to hear what he's got to say and just join in. But it means a new sort of evangelism. It's not the kind of evangelism that says, I'm going to back you into a corner and I'm going to persuade you and I'm going to twist your arm to make sure this makes sense. And once it makes sense to you, then you're going to make an intellectual choice to believe. This is like head-messing evangelism. I think this is what Jesus is doing in the UK and in various bits of the world at the moment. And it's this, it's that people encounter him before he makes sense. That they have an experience of the Holy Spirit before they meet with Jesus. This amazing, amazing time when um, I was a curate and we... Uh, you know, I, I actually really dislike going on missions. You know, it kind of, there's a bit in me, oh, oh, oh. you know, if you, so if you're like that, that's okay. You can still be an evangelist because God will just stir you up, okay, and he'll just sort you out. Um, uh, and I end up having to lead this particular team on a mission trip um, with an organization called On The Move. Did they ever come to Bath and do barbecues? No. They did Bristol. Okay, anyway, they were great. And they they were going to do the barbecues everywhere. So I was leading this particular team um, from our church. And uh, the barbecue was kind of going on in the middle of this green. And we're going to just do invites out to everyone. And they'd come and do a barbecue. And there'd be worship playing. And then there'd be people sitting on these kind of kitchen tables. And if anyone wanted to talk about Jesus, that was great. But if you just wanted a burger, that was also great. And I, as team leader, kind of saw these four lads about... um, 30, 40 feet away on the, sitting on a wall, kind of teenage kids. And it's like, "Mm, yeah, okay, this is like, you know, internal nudge, go and talk to them. So I went and talked to these, went and talked to these four lads. And and they were like, what's going on over there? And I was like, this is the local church. We're just, you know, here to encourage you and and give you free food. No, we don't want your free food. Tell us what it's about then. So I said, well, it's about Jesus. They said, tell us about him then. So I explained Jesus to them. They're sitting on a wall. I'm sitting on the floor in the dirt. And all there is is there's a couple of sticks. There's some rubbish. So we use the sticks to make a cross. And the rubbish represents sin and it goes on the cross. And I'm like, that's great. What do we do next? I'm like, this is too easy. <laughs> you, need to, you do need to know this is the only time this has ever happened. So I said... Well, will you, remember that prayer, remember that prayer. How's it go? So we prayed, and I led these four teenage lads to Jesus, on the spot. They're sitting on a wall in front of me, and I'm sitting on the dirt. All four of them, I kid you not, then go, whoa! And they say, what was that? 
And I say, oh, I'm sorry. I forgot to tell you about him. As Jesus' friend, he's the Holy Spirit. Uh, and you've just had an introduction. <laughs> Sometimes we, you know, we make the gap too long. We want people to get everything and get everything sewn up before they come to Jesus. With Meg, she didn't really know anything before she met with Jesus. And I had to spend the next few weeks explaining it from all of this great kind of Bible teaching that I had as a kid. And we were sitting on, you know, on our double bed, still living together, with me drawing pictures of crowns and worlds and sin and, you know, all that stuff, and going through Romans and, and explaining stuff. There was a lot of catching up, but she'd already met with Jesus. I'm kind of, I'm swaying in two different, are we going down the evangelism route here or are we going down the words of, word of God route? Uh, words and pictures. Uh, I think we're going to go down the, we can, yeah, we'll go there. <laughs> A still, small voice. A still, small voice. Are you willing to listen? Are you willing, you know, even before you get to sharing faith with other people, changing this whole area, and you know, I, 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 I wouldn't be here if I didn't think that God had business to do in this place. You know, I sometimes struggle with the Church of England, but you know, God's not done yet. He's filling Church of England churches, and he's doing great things in them. And God is on the move, and he's not too fussed which denomination he moves in. All he's looking for is some bunch of people to go, yes, we'll follow. So he's here. And he loves this place, and he loves your faithfulness. One more little bit, and then we'll talk a little bit more about words, and then we'll, we'll do some stuff. Um, there is this wonderful richness in verse 14, 15 and 16 that Jesus talks about. He says, I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. We are supposed to know him. We are supposed to know the difference of what his voice sounds like over every other voice. That little niggle that sometimes doesn't quite make rational sense, but you know somehow God's in it. We're supposed to know him. How much are we supposed to know him? Verse 15, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. That's quite a lot. That's how much he wants you to keep in step with him. Following him day by day. Lord, what do you want us to do today? What do you want to say today? And there's this bit in verse 16 where we are included. You see, he's speaking to a Jewish community. And he's talking about the significance of what the cross is going to do, that he's got other sheep who are going to get included. If you're a Messianic Jew, you're in the first round. For the rest of us, we got included. We got included and there's one shepherd and there's one flock. And we have been included. 
One other thing struck me from this passage as I've been looking at over this week, and it's and it's this that you know one of sometimes one of the little arguments that that you know people that have when they look at the cross is that is that God the Father must be very very angry and cross because he's forced his son to go and do this thing on the cross. It's not like that. You know, Jesus went willingly for you. Him and the Father have this conversation. How are we going to land this? I mean, this is not the script of how it happens, by the way. I'm imagining. And Jesus goes willingly to the cross. He's not forced. He goes willingly because he did it for you. And in that moment, he takes all of the things that have ever you've ever done wrong in the past, the present, and the future, and he paid for them 2,000 years ago. So when you ask for his forgiveness, he forgives you completely. What are you hearing that the Holy Spirit says to you? When you get into that quiet place, just, just you and him. What do you hear that he says over your life? You know, there's a real, there's a real easy litmus test, and it's simply this: if what you hear is condemnation. You're bad. You're not doing enough. It's not God. It's not Him. It's the thief. He comes to steal and kill and destroy. If you hear a challenge, <laughs> it's the difference between condemnation and conviction. That He convicts you. Oh, okay. Loving, gentle. If, if you hear the same thing over and over again when you come into his presence, he's probably going to keep saying the same thing until you got it. One of the things that I'd really love to be a feature of, of this service, I don't know how much it has been, in, has been before, but I love us to have a, a freedom of sharing words and pictures or, or Bible verses or whatever it might be and to be able to do that in a safe place to know that, you know, sometimes we'll mess that up. Yeah? Sometimes we'll think it's for everybody when actually God was just speaking to us. You know, or we might just... Too much cheese. <laughs> too much cake at language. Who knows? Um... Two little thing, three little things before the service. One was uh, just a, a sense from someone of of the dust being blown off. It's a great thing to to pray for this church family, isn't it? Any places that have got dusty, yeah, Lord, we welcome what you want to do and blow the dust off. Just a 
a pain, no, not quite a pain, like an irritation, kind of underneath the right ear. If that's someone, if that's anyone here, great if the prayer ministry team prayed for you after the service. And maybe for someone, those verses from Isaiah about the Lord giving rest to the weary, that you'll be able to run and not grow faint. Folks, will you, will you stand? Because we're, we're going to do this now. And um, the, the, way, uh, the way that we're going to do this um, is I've talked enough and we're going to get the focus off me and onto you. Well, off you and onto Jesus, actually. You know, that seems even better, doesn't it? Okay. Um, what I'd love you to do, okay, is uh, I'd love you to uh, get into groups of at least, at least three, okay, maybe four, and I'm going to get you guys to pray for each other, okay? Um, so do you want to, do you want to break out into those little groups now, get somewhere safe, and then I'm going to explain, because I'm going to, I'm going to be kind of, uh, school teacher with you and get you to do this in a particular way tonight, okay? Just because I don't know how you've done it before. So I'm going to like, we're going to do this like class 101 version. Okay? So find a friend, groups of, groups of three or four, absolute maximum five, okay? Because I want you all to have a chance to pray for each person in the group. Okay, right, folks, what I want you to do is this. Um, uh, unless, unless you've got a note from the doctor, or you're just really tired, I want you to stand up. Sorry, I know I'm a big bully. All right, I want you to stand up uh, for no other reason other than you just look like you're all more engaged. If you, you know, it's late. If you sit down, you might all just go to sleep, okay? And I want you to pick on one person, okay? And uh, ask them if it's okay. Ask them if it's okay if you lay hands on them, okay? And um, rest a hand on them. Shoulders is good. Head's good. Pushing on the forehead's not good. Um, okay. You know, if God's going to push them over, He'll do it. You don't need to help, all right? And um, rest a hand on them. And simply, just a minute or two, pray for God's blessing on them. You don't need to pray any more than Holy Spirit. Come and bless this person in Jesus' name. All right. If you get a, if you get a word, you know, like a something, an idea, share it with them. All right. But before you share it, ask them what's the Holy Spirit saying to you. Okay. Is that all right? So one person at a time in the middle. Pray God's blessing on them. Ask them what's the Holy Spirit saying to you. And then if you've got some words, share them. Okay. Go for it. Okay, folks, uh, let's come back together. Um, some of you still got some more praying to do. You're allowed to pray after the service. Okay? Permit. <laughs> um, can I just flag up the last verse in this passage? Uh, second from last verse. Many of them said, 
He is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? You know, when we start doing this stuff, some people will go, you are completely nuts. (laughs) But there comes a point where you've seen so many nutty things that you then go, okay. (laughs) You know, one of those transition points for me was when I was in a Christian bookshop and I thought I needed to buy a Bible for a particular person. And this person was called Terry. This happened to me a couple of times in my life with a similar sort of thing. And I needed to buy this guy a Bible. So I, I bought him the Bible and it was like, you've got to go and give it to him now. I was like, thanks Lord, but I've got no idea where he is. This is not helpful. Um, so I was just like, you've got to show me where to walk. So I, I, I just walked. I didn't have to walk very far. I walked about a hundred yards. And there was Terry. And, I said, and he was sitting there with his girlfriend on a bench. I said, Terry, here, here, um, here's a Bible. I've been told to give it to you. And he was like, oh. <laughs> he said, we've just been sitting on this bench praying for a Bible. Meg's in our house the other day and Emily's, Emily came to visit us, uh, our daughter and her car died on the way up. Definitely should have got the can belt done earlier. Um, she's in the kitchen uh, and she's praying, Lord, we, come on. It'd be really great to give her a car because we were just about to send her away with mine. Um, really great if you'd give us a car or something. And this friend from Torquay text and said, got a little red car um, would you like it? <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know it'll, it'll seem nothing but you know the measure that people have in our current culture is not about whether or not the Christian message is true oh, they don't really do truth Truth is whatever they want it to be. The prior question is, does this work? So if you have been listening to the Holy Spirit and you come up with, you know, like not weird, but nicely, a word for them, or you give them a gift because God's told you to do it without being too weird, they're going to know that Jesus works. They're going to know because they'll have bumped into his Holy Spirit. A little quick quiz. Uh, how many of you heard something this evening? Either for you or for someone else. Just put a, put a paw in the air. Okay? That's great. How many of you are willing this week just to, just to go on a Holy Spirit adventure and go, okay, Holy Spirit, uh, what do you want to do today? <laughs> 